morning, Africa, and welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington. Today is Wednesday, March the 30th, and here are some of the stories we are covering for you this morning. Eight peacekeepers are killed when a UN helicopter crashes in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. They're just saying right now that the helicopter, they lost contact with it this morning, and it was on a reconnaissance mission in uh, the area of uh, Shanzu, southeast of Rachuri in North Kivu province. And Rwanda denies accusations that it is backing the M23 rebels fighting in eastern DRC. Uh, Rwanda is confidently saying that because we know we are not committed or engaged into any support to the um, um, rebels called M23, um, with whom we have no agenda or no common interest. And authorities in central Nigeria are searching for suspects after attackers used explosives to derail and attack a train late Monday. We'll have those stories and more coming up right here on Daybreak Africa. Stay tuned. And for our top story, the United Nations says that eight of its peacekeepers were killed Tuesday after a UN helicopter crashed in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo amid rebel fighting between the M23 rebels and the DRC military. The helicopter was carrying six crew members from the Pakistani military and two military personnel, one from Russia and one from Serbia, who are part of the MONUSCO peacekeeping operation in the region. The aircraft was on a reconnaissance mission when it went down in the area of Chanzu in North Kivu province. The UN says that the circumstances of the crash are still under investigation. For more on this story, VOA's UN correspondent Margaret Bashir joins me from the UN headquarters in New York. Well, they're not saying they were shot down, first of all. They're just saying right now that the helicopter, they lost contact with it this morning, and it was on a reconnaissance mission in uh, the area of uh, Shanzu, southeast of Rachuri in North Kivu province. And that has been an area where there's been uh, fighting between the M23 and the FARDC recently. And that's one of the reasons they were there, you know, because it's been a hostile uh, area. Um, they are investigating what uh, the cause and circumstances of the crash, they are not jumping to any conclusions. So for now, it's it's simply uh, under investigation. But unfortunately, nobody survived of the eight um, peacekeepers who were on the flight. And what is the UN saying about the resurgence of fighting in that region between the M23 rebels and, and the FRDC? Well, they are very concerned. There's been an alarming resurgence, in the UN's words, of activities by the M23. Uh, on Tuesday morning, the UN Security Council was briefed by Bintu Keita, who's the head of the UN uh, mission, MINUSCO, in uh, Eastern DRC. She said the security situation in the country overall has continued to deteriorate with a rise in civilian casualties and displaced people. In fact, the UN mission has documented nearly 2,300 civilian deaths in the eastern part of the DRC only since January. So since the beginning of this year, that's just three months three months, 2,300 civilian deaths that they have documented. So it's very concerning to the United Nations. Mm. So the UN says they're still investigating the circumstances under which this uh, helicopter uh, crashed. But um, 
Do they know which country the peacekeepers uh, came from and has that country actually said anything about it? Yeah, there are six peacekeepers who are from Pakistan. They were, I believe, the crew of the helicopter. And uh, their country has put out a statement, uh, you know, acknowledging it, saying that they are martyrs in their country because they gave their life in their service. And they have asked the UN uh, for a transparent and comprehensive investigation into the incident. There was also one Russian military officer on board and one Serbian. That was VOA's UN correspondent, Margaret Bashir, reached her at the UN headquarters in New York. Heavy fighting continued in eastern DRC as militants from the M23 rebel group attacked army positions near the border with Uganda and Rwanda. Reports say that the fighting took place near the villages of Chanzu and Runyoni, northeast of Goma, with thousands fleeing to neighboring Uganda. Reporter Jafar Alkatante is in Goma in the eastern DRC. Uh, today I was on the front line in Richuru. Uh, I went till uh, Ruanguba in morning and where people was fleeing, uh, some of them going to Bunagana side, which was under control of M23, and others was coming to Ruchuru side. And during the fighting between FRDC and M23. Some villages were controlled by M23, and then FRDC come back to to fight and control, take them back again. They fighted in uh, Rangira and other cities like uh, Ranguba, and M23 tried to cross a mountain and to reach Ruchuru Center without pass by the main road, but they also found FRDC in the shortcut they used and they fight it again. That is reporter Jafar Al-Katante, who visited the front line on Tuesday. The spokesman for the military governor of the North Kivu province, General Sylvain Ekenge, accused neighboring Rwanda of backing the rebel group, which controlled large portions of the area during an insurrection in 2012 and 2013. From Kinshasa, Rwanda's ambassador to the DRC, Vincent Karega, tells me that his country has no interest in destabilizing eastern Congo and that both countries have mechanisms to verify who is behind the attacks while paving the way for a sustainable solution to the crisis. Actually, uh, accusations coming from ground military do not um, bring enough evidence and uh, Rwanda is confidently saying that because we know we are not committed or engaged into any support to the um, um, rebels called M23, um, with whom we have no agenda or no common interest. So errors and uh, uh, probably weak assessment have occurred to the extent of them confirming uh, that two of the arrested or uh, surrendered people may come from the Rwandan army. But Rwanda, in a joint mission, would wish to cross-check with uh, Congo and see those imposters or um, people mistaken on as being part of uh, the Rwandan army. Because Rwandan army did not send anybody 
to support or to help Rwanda on any issue to do with uh, M23. So, Mr. Ambassador, how would you characterize the state of relations between Rwanda and the DRC currently? So we are two countries collaborating well politically. Uh, there are four mechanisms um, beyond media and uh, emotional declarations will help much better to properly assess issues and also um, uh, pave the way for sustainable solutions because we all need um, safe Eastern Congo and uh, safe um, great region for better trade, um, more prosperity and um, inclusive and integrated region economically and politically. And as the representative of Rwanda in Kinshasa, have you been summoned by the government of the DRC uh, regarding this issue? Yeah, I was by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, not as a summon, but as an opportunity for dialogue and uh, uh, clarification of position. And uh, I um, highlighted the commitment of Rwanda to peace in DRC and in the Eastern Congo. And also I um, uh, kind of um, challenged the uh, allegations by the local um, security forces because we know that uh, we are not part of such um, uh, a bad intervention um, that has no strategic or political interest for Rwanda. So together we have agreed that we can continue uh, jointly assessing and avoid to unilaterally declare things that have not been cross-checked together uh, in the near future and uh, in the long-term future. That was Rwanda's ambassador to the DRC, Vincent Karega. I reached him in Kinshasa. And the DRC is now officially a member of the East African community. The news was announced during the 19th Extraordinary Summit of the East African Community Heads of State, which was conducted virtually. Moses Javierimana has more on this story. And once more take this opportunity to welcome our brothers and sisters from the Democratic Republic of Congo into the East African community. The words of Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta and the chairman of the summit while announcing the official entry of DRC into the regional bloc. He said that it was high time for the community to boost its economy. The community will expand significantly in various aspects of mutual benefit for all. Indeed, the combined population and GDP of our community will grow by 50% and 25% respectfully. And once more, take this opportunity to welcome our brothers and sisters from the Democratic Republic of Congo into the East African community. The summit received and considered the report of the 46th Extraordinary Meeting of the Council of Ministers and the recommendation on the admission of DRC into the community. Uganda's President Yorika Gutam Seveni said that the move will improve peace and security in the region. I have been involved in these efforts for almost 60 years, and this is really very pleasant that DRC has finally reconnected formally with East Africa. Congo coming is very crucial. It's good that it has happened when I'm still alive. 
we now need to work on the issue of peace in Eastern Congo, because that area has been disturbed for a long time by different groups. Samia Sulur Hassan is the president of Tanzania. With a long historical relationship with all EAC partner states, DRC is today officially joining the community as a full member. Tanzania say karibu sana DRC. Rwanda's president Paul Kagame said that his country will fully support DRC's entry into the regional bloc. I urge all organs and institutions of the community to accelerate the full integration of DRC into organization who understand is ready to play its part in this process. The DRC's president, Felix Chisekedi, said that when he was sworn in as a president in 2019, he promised to make his country a member of the East African community. Aujourd'hui, donc. He says that today his ambition to make his country join one of the fastest growing economic blocks on the continent has reached a decisive stage. He says that he recognizes that the East African community is the best in terms of free movement of people and integration of infrastructure and economy. With the DRC's official recognition as a member, the summit designated President Uhuru Kenyatta to sign a treaty of accession of the country into the East African community by 14th April 2022, and the Democratic Republic of Congo will be required to deposit the instruments of ratification before the end of September 2022. Moses Javierimana for Voice of America. Uhuru Kenyatta, Kenyan president and the current chair of the East African Community, OESC, tweeted, History is made as soon as the Democratic Republic of Congo was formally admitted to the regional bloc. The admission of the country to the ESC on Tuesday is expected to boost socio-economic relations among member nations. We spoke to people in East Africa who said that the membership of DRC expands the economic community to more than 300 million people and will improve trade and security in the region. My name is Akwari Resho and I'm a student at Kampala International University. Yeah, this is a great opportunity for both sides, both the East African community and the DRC Congo people as a whole. DRC Congo is going to benefit through trading there will be an increase in trade. And East Africa has now increased on its market size. Therefore, goods will be transported at a, a cheaper or no cost. Yeah, ta- of course, tariffs are going to be reduced for, from, for both sides, for imports and exports. Now the labor market has also grown. Since we have Congo already in the system now, the labor market has grown and people will be freely moving to get more jobs. I know it will be easier to trade from Congo to Uganda and from Uganda to Congo and from, you know, from Congo to Rwanda and all all surrounding countries. It means it is opening up opportunities for both citizens of, of both Congo and citizens of East African countries. They are our neighbors and we would wish that as we move freely within Uganda here, we also can cross borders. Like for me who come from the border of Nagana, it becomes a good idea because I can manage to enter Congo and do business with Congolese. Like if you are not a, a Congolese or if you are even a Ugandan with outdoorsmen that are talking about you fully, you are denied access. And in case you have relatives there that are maybe in a critical condition, like they are sick, then it becomes for, hard for you to reach on them. They can die and you may not even attend the burial. 
So it wasn't something very good. Those were some reactions by Ugandans at the news that the DRC had been officially admitted into the East African community. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and a panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including a new round of peace talks aimed at ending Russia's invasion of Ukraine began in Turkey. As Russia's shelling continues throughout Ukraine, despite the Kremlin announcing new battle plans focused on the eastern region. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Debrick Africa continues. Authorities in central Nigeria are searching for suspects after attackers used explosives to derail a train late Monday, then opened fire on passengers. Nearly 1,000 people were on board at the time of the attack, as Timothy Obiezu reports from Abuja. Kaduna State Commissioner for Internal Security and Home Affairs Samuel Aruan said Tuesday that Injured passengers had been taken to the hospital and the military has completed the evacuation of other passengers from the site, including those hiding in nearby forests. There were about 970 people aboard the night train traveling from Abuja to Kaduna when it was derailed by explosives planted along the tracks. The attackers also shot at the train as it crashed to a halt. At least seven people were reported dead from injuries following the attack, including a female medical doctor who broadcast news of the attack on Twitter. Some other passengers are missing and may have been kidnapped. Kaduna State resident Gideon Gambo says two of his brothers are among those missing. I got it that um, the, their concentration was, was, um, was the first class, the coaches, the first class coaches. So unfortunately, my brothers, they, they were in the first class. So they, they took everyone that was in the first class and they went with them. No one has claimed responsibility for the attack and police have yet to name any suspects. Kaduna is enduring a wave of violence that has left many residents angry and afraid. Last week, more than 80 people were killed in a spate of attacks by armed gangs in the state. On Sunday, gunmen invaded the Kaduna airport and killed an official. Bivan Magoni is a Kaduna activist and resident. People are being killed on a daily basis. How many times have you seen that bandits have been arrested? We are tired of being killed. We are tired of everything. This, this is frustrating. Security analyst Kabira Adamu says the escalation could be political. Very soon, the primary for the ruling party in Kaduna will be held. Um, we've also seen an increase in the supposed collaboration between these gunmen, whether you want to call them terrorists or bandits, and any terrorists operating in the northeast of the country. In particular, the use of IEDs, improvised explosive device, as an attack vector, seem to be increasing in Kaduna, mainly because of this partnership. Millions of Nigerians had turned to the railway to commute between the Nigerian capital and neighboring Kaduna state after armed gangs began targeting and kidnapping people along the commonly used Abuja-Kaduna Expressway. The Nigerian Railway Corporation has now suspended its operations along the Abuja-Kaduna route. A prominent Nigerian airline, Airpeace, has also halted its operations in Kaduna. Timothy Obiezu for VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria. 
Aid agencies are warning that hundreds of thousands of South Sudanese are likely to suffer devastating consequences during this year's wet season without emergency international support to head off the worst impacts. Lisa Schlein reports for VOA from Geneva. Record rainfall over the past three years has affected an estimated 835,000 people, killed nearly 800,000 livestock, and flooded thousands of hectares of farmland, preventing people from cultivating the waterlogged land. Last year, South Sudan had its worst flooding in history. Forecasters expect this year's rainy season, which begins in May, will be even worse. The UN Refugee Agency says 33 out of 79 counties remain badly affected by the flood waters, which have not significantly subsided since the last wet season. It says thousands of people have been displaced in harshest hit Jongle, Unity and Upper Nile states. Andrew Harper, special advisor on climate action to the UNHCR, has just returned from a visit to South Sudan. He warns the country is at the center of a potential catastrophe. We've got villages um, which are hosting tens of thousands of people who are doing whatever they can to resist the onslaught of a, an increasingly hostile climate. And that the roads, the logistics of getting supplies and support throughout South Sudan are pretty horrible at the best of times. And so these roads no longer exist for the vast number of locations. Harper says intercommunal ethnic-based violence is endemic in the country. That, he says, poses security problems for aid workers and their ability to reach needy people. He says the dangers also discourage villagers in unsafe climate zones from moving to other areas where they might face violence. The, the other issue that will be coming to the fore is the food insecurity. As you have... Uh, crops wiped out as you have livestock dying um, season after season. You have this compounded series of disasters and a lack of international response in terms of providing support for food security, then you will be facing the situation of a, of a famine um, in that region. Harper appeals to the international community to step up support for the people of South Sudan. Otherwise, he warns the climate crisis, coupled with ongoing insecurity in the country, will leave people with no means to survive. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. And that's it for this edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for spending this morning with us. For more African news and features, visit our website at voanews.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube, where you can watch our videos. Until next time, I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, wishing you a great week ahead, Africa. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music. From bobo music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, afrobeat to dumbolo and makosa to kwaito. The African beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 0905 and 2005 UTC right after the international news.
Hey, sports fans, brighten your day by tuning into the sunny side of sports Monday through Friday at 1630 and 1830 UTC. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny and on Twitter at VOA Sunny Sports. Or check out the blog at blogs.voanews.com forward slash sunny. It's the sunny side of sports right here on the Voice of America. Hello, I'm Douglas Simpoga, host of VOA's Reporters Roundtable. Join us every Thursday as we discuss important African topics and events. I'll have a panel of African journalists and expert guests to discuss the topic at hand. We take a deeper look at important after-news topics. That's Reporters Roundtable every Thursday at 17.30 UTC, right here on VOA Africa. <laughs> 